After 25 years in the fashion industry, I've realized that fashion is not really about the clothes, it's about the people. I'm Laura Van Root Poole, and this is What We Wore. The Moscone sisters behind the emerging collection Marina Moscone are making their way to our Brentwood store this week. We're proud to champion these dynamic sisters and introduce them to our West Coast community. And we wanted to share their story from season seven with you again too. I'm trying to think of where I first met y'all and where I first became familiar with the brand. And I think y'all came to the store in Brentwood. I know that you were so chic and we talked for a minute. And the minute you left, all of the girls in the store said, please pick up that brand, please, who, whatever she makes, we'll, we'll sell, we want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely when I came to Brentwood, when you had just opened your store. And I, um, no, I remember saying to my sales manager when we left, that's the best store. <laughs> yeah. It's a really fun place and a happy place to be. And we've sold the collection so well there. So it, all, the girls must have known and you really knew that you have a client there and uh, we're thrilled about it. Well, the girls are so, so, so great. So, I mean, it's always such a joy when we uh, make the trip over. Where, well, your sisters, first of all, you have the same last name. Yep. <laughs> And, and you're not the first sisters we've had. We've had, you're actually our third set of sisters on the podcast, which I think is really interesting. Where, where are y'all from? We're Italian South African and we grew up in Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. So oh, wow. father's Italian, our mother's from South Africa. So we kind of grew up, you know, went to school in Vancouver. We were both born there and um, spent our summers uh, at our country house in Italy what part? It's in Abruzzo, which is, just, yeah, just uh, east of Rome. We actually just did a full-on demolition renovation of our house together as a, as a fun COVID project. <laughs> yeah, fun family project. We just didn't think we were busy enough or stressed enough. And so was it remote most of Well, it started not remote. The first year was really not remote. And then uh, 2020 was very, very remote. We, of course, had a team on the ground, but it was really everything you know we contributed was over FaceTime and WhatsApp video and photos and that sort of thing and then we could finally start going back you know at the beginning of this year to do all all the finishing touches so it was great and we've been really really enjoying it it was finished this past spring I'm married to an architect and I'm actually in the middle of a project a family project as well so your parents are involved and and the kids and did everybody agree and define agree <laughs> we had an amazing architect who's a really good friend of mine from the region of course you know I have a sensibility for these things and it was really really special for me to do a big project that wasn't it was interesting to do a big project that wasn't collection or clothes and, and so, such a relief, isn't it, too, sometimes? Like, I, I always need to get my brain doing something completely different than clothes. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't expect it would be such a sort of cathartic process for me, but it really was. And I, I, loved every, I loved every minute. We're very lucky. Our dad has more of that engineering mind. So he kind of worked on, on the technicalities much more than the design and logistics. And the logistics. <laughs> We were very fortunate. We got to kind of focus on the, the good parts. 
Well, and tell me about growing up in Vancouver and growing up in Abrid. So what did you love about growing up in both of those places? They're both amazing. You know, our parents came, both immigrated to Vancouver when they were pretty young. So we were very exposed to traveling the world. We went back to Abruzzo every summer. We went to South Africa to visit, you know, our mom's heritage. Heritage was also always such a big part of, of our family and our upbringing. How did they get to Vancouver? What was the impetus for that? For our dad, you know, in a small town in, you know, a more agricultural landscape of Italy, you know, his father was in the war and post-war, you know, migration just started happening simply because those small towns couldn't sustain growing families anymore. So he immigrated quite young when he was still in grade school. And um, our mother came over when she was about 20. So she had done a year of university already in Cape Town, you know, also because she grew up during apartheid. She's from a mixed Mm -hmm. family. Her parents had really the courage to leave so that their children could have, you know, a better education and a better kind of opportunity ahead of them in terms of school, career, just fulfilling dreams and that sort of thing. So they, they picked both, you know, separately picked Vancouver. They came at very different times and at that time from very different places, settled there because other family had already moved there from both of their sides. You know, and for us, we were very fortunate to grow up in in a place like that because you can do everything from being a, you know, very kind of metropolitan or city to go, you know, snowshoe or ski to swim in the ocean all in one day. I mean, we didn't take advantage of that at all when we lived there (laughs) for the first, you know, 20 years of my life, but it's just such a stunningly sort of beautiful place. And I think it has set West Coast sensibility in a way where people are a little bit more pared back, a little bit more relaxed, you know, a little bit more focused on just a really, really good quality of life. There's a lot of balance, I would say, which is also frustrating at times (laughs) when when you're kind of like a go-getter. Yeah, can be. Yeah. An adjustment. The pace is an adjustment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. we love it, but we we crave the 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 pace of the East Coast, I think. <laughs> are your are your parents still in Vancouver? Yes. Yeah. They kind of they kind of follow but us around. We, you know, we see very, very often. And is it just the two of you? It's yeah. just the two of us. Oh wow. Francesca, what sort of a sister, what sort of a big sister was Marina? So okay. You know, I we're we're actually six years apart, which they say is like only children, right? Yeah. When you're five years, you have because your parents are so different and all that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was the first child. She constantly reminds me of you know how I came into her life and just turned things upside down. <laughs> no, but uh, growing up, you know, I always looked up to my sister. I mean. I'm only going to say this once, but she was the, you know, my cool older sister. I wanted, you know, to dress like her, to do what she was doing. She, um, you know, probably very annoying for her as she wanted to 
you know, live her, her own life. But um, no, it was interesting because a lot of people ask, you know, how, how do you work with your sister and work with her, live with her, do, you know, travel together, do everything together. And, you know, the six years, it, we always got along, you know, you're always in a different stage of, of your life growing up. So we never really got in each other's hair. And in that respect, we never fought. We just kind of we were pretty, you know, we existed we at existed. some point and then we became much closer when we were <laughs> yeah. both adults. Yeah. yeah. When we were yeah. Both adults, of course, you know, you become much closer and, and we made that really easy to become much closer. Marina, what's your favorite memory of Francesca growing up? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite memory of Francesca. Well, when we were children, um, of course, when I was born, and growing up, my father spoke to me only in Italian and my mother spoke to me in English. So I learned the two languages at the same time. And I would speak to my father and his family in Italian and I would turn around and speak to my mother and her family in English. I knew she'd bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> when Fran so we were like a, a multilingual household. And when Francesca was born, we just you know, assumed she'd fit right in and we would just kind of <laughs> go with the program, go with the protocol, protocol, go with the program. Exactly. But she came and she started talking and, you know, we would say something in Italian and she would say the translation in English for us. She'd say, <laughs> no, you're wrong. And this is how you say it. <laughs> so I just her commitment to going against the program is one of my favorite memories. <laughs> and Francesca, was it always apparent that Marina was creative and, and did you know that she would go into this business always? Yes. For as yeah. long as I can remember, Marina has always known what she wanted to do. Um, she always knew she wanted to be a fashion designer, where she wanted to go to school. She always had that unwavering commitment to that goal and everything she did she did to to reach that goal and I remember growing up you know she, you know that question what do you want to be when you grow up that everybody <laughs> asks and you know Marina always knew and I was you know I didn't know like for most of my life what 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 I what it was that I wanted to be so I, I remember it very very clearly and Marina, how did you how did you become interested in fashion and and how did you know that that was something that you could do even? Growing up, we would at these summers in Italy, we would spend a lot of time not just in the country house, but we would go travel everywhere, you know, throughout Europe and throughout Italy. And I would watch my parents, you know, back then there was no like buy now, wear now. You shopped kind of for one or two seasons ahead. And I would watch them shop for their wardrobes for the year. And the way that it was presented, you know, was so ceremonious. It, you know, the way clothes were designed, they were finished, they were presented, they were tailored, they were sold, the whole shopping experience. It was such a special process that the and every step of you know the involvement from an atelier to a tailor to a sales associate there was so much kind of pride in the product and and 
the presentation of it. And, you know, I, I really loved that from the beginning. And I also would sit, there was a show, there were two shows called one was fashion file and it was hosted by Tim blanks. And it started in like the late eighties or early nineties. And one was fashion television, which I think was only in Canada that was hosted by Amy Becker and Tim blanks. And it was like on every weekend and on Sunday, it was on all day. So, I mean, I, I've probably seen every episode 40 times I would watch those and I, they would do all these case studies on designers and where they went to school, you know, where they design, what the runway shows, the models, everything. And, you know, I, I just was so enamored that this could be a job. And when I was three, I told my parents, I'm going to be a fashion designer. (laughs) And when I was seven, I told them I'm going to go study at Parsons. And somewhere in between that, I stole one of my dad's briefcases. It was this burgundy leather briefcase. And I stole his, you know, letterheads from his office. And I would do sketches (laughs) on them with crayons. And I took that briefcase and letterhead sketches everywhere I went to dinner, if you know, everywhere. I was so laser focused on being able to do this for my entire upbringing through school. I just did everything to be able to get into school to do this. And it's funny because now I think all the time about, you know, stuff I do and stuff I say yes to where really it doesn't move the needle in my career or in my life or in my goal. Right. But just in comparison to back then, just like unwavering commitment to be able to do this. So I should probably think about, you know, that. I love that. That's interesting. You did go to Parsons? I did. Yes. What was that experience like to finally be what you would wanted to be since you were seven years old, three, but be at Parsons? Listen, it was, I think, probably the best education I could get for what I wanted to do. And I was so serious about my studies. Sometimes I wish, you know, I look back and, you know, maybe I'm just having like a half-life crisis or a one third (laughs) now, but I look back and I say, God, I wish I enjoyed, you know, living in New York more or socializing more and those types of things. But again, it goes back to that like discipline and the laser focus. I I had at least one or two all-nighters a week for those years. I was, I was, you know, super serious about my projects. You're surrounded, you know, you start with X amount of people and you end up in a pool that's very small, you know, not everyone um, makes Makes it it through. Yeah. Was there ever a moment when you thought you you had, you had wished so much for this and wanted and will, was there ever a minute where you thought you couldn't do it or you weren't worthy of it or no. never? Yeah. That's amazing. The whole time. Yeah. Wow. And so you graduated and what was your first job out of school? So I graduated in the, um, after the 08 crash and- <laughs> And I was a foreigner without, you know, I'm not American. So I had no, I had to get a job if I wanted to stay because I had to get a visa, a visa to work. Yeah. So all design assistants were being laid off design jobs and that sort of thing. And so I got a job, an internship, which turned into a job at a talent agency for fashion photographers and fashion stylists and um, beauty. And I started working as a producer and agent, which was interesting because you know, at the time it wasn't 
what I wanted to do, but I saw just the other spectrum of what we do and everything is really full circle. I know all of those stylists, you know, all of those photographers, it's kind of just come around in a different way. And I got to see sort of this, it gave me a 360 degree view of the industry because I worked on the commercial side of it, producing shoots, working with, you know, ad agencies, creative agencies, going about getting new business for photographers and stylists and that sort of thing. And I was, I was so lucky to be on, you know, I was like 22 or 23 and I was on huge campaign sets and you know, rubbing elbows with people who at that age I had looked up to so much, you know, for a lot of my upbringings. And then after that, I got a job after a couple of years, I I really wanted to get back into design. So I got a job as Peter Somm's design director. I love Peter. He's just the nicest Yeah. He's a great person. He's a great, great person, super talented. So I worked with him for around four or five years and we, we did everything. We, he was, he's based in New York. We traveled back and forth to Italy. We did a stint in Hong Kong. You know, I, I learned a lot there and he's one of my best friends now. And what's the most important thing you learned from Peter? I think how to treat people and you don't have to do it the way that everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. He, he, he couldn't be more lovely. Yeah. And that is one thing that people always, always remember. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of when, when you said that. Yeah. Francesca, will you tell me about your education and sort of where you found your, your path? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went to, I got my business degree back in Vancouver at the University of British Columbia like kind of I alluded to it earlier I I never really knew what it was that I wanted to do growing up you know people would always ask and I'd always kind of brush brush it off I think you know when I graduated I was working in um, our family business at the time which is what our father owned um, had a mushroom company that grew and and marketed and sold mushrooms Wow. For about 20 years. Yeah. So most of my life and before that, you know, he had other businesses, but we always grew up in that world, you know, in kind of his world, going to work with him, being surrounded by, you know, we would go everywhere. We would go into every meeting. There was no like. Yeah. And he, and he was an entrepreneur. I mean, yeah, he, he was, he's a mechanical engineer. It's his degrees in mechanical engineering, but he, yeah, is an entrepreneur. How fascinating. And so out of school, you went to work with him? Yeah, I was working with him. And I was working with him, you know, throughout school as sure. well in like the summers. And then I didn't know what I was going to do, but I always knew that I would end up doing something with my sister. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if and, I knew that. And did Marina know that? <laughs> I didn't know that until now. <laughs> we should see. We're learning new things. <laughs> we're learning a lot today, Laura. Revelations. Yeah. <laughs> how did you know that it was the right time to partner with Marina? Or, and how did you ask her or tell her? <laughs> um, I don't know if either of us really asked one another. No. I think it just, you know, there was a time Marina was transitioning in her career and, um, you know, I won't speak for you, but I think you you were getting, you were receiving a lot of opportunities that weren't necessarily exciting her. And I was at a time where I was, you know, I didn't really have 
any major commitments to anything. And uh, I think we kind of just sat down one day and, and, and she was like, I, I, I think it's time that I do what I've always wanted to do. And, and I'm going to need a business plan. Do you want to help me? And if you help me write a business plan, um, we can do this together. I don't know. I can't really pinpoint the moment. That's that's exactly what happened. More or less that happened. And Marina, were you impressed with her business plan? And were you like, oh, okay, we could actually work together? Yeah. I mean, we spent months. So I was, I was in New York. She was in Vancouver and we spent we spent months. I went back and forth. I would spend a couple of weeks there in Vancouver or she'd come out here and we hashed it out for months. We made it so thorough. And of course we had, you know, our dad, his kind of caliber of this to live up to. So he was yeah. looking over our shoulder the whole time. I mean, we, we killed my mom. We brought into our home. We brought like a whiteboard into the dining room. We, <laughs> I started like sketching, showing them like, this is what it looks like to do a collection. And it was just like such a mess. We just hashed it out for months and we really, you know, dotted every I, crossed every T, honed in on every scenario, five-year plans, 10-year plans, everything. Did both of y'all know exactly what the collection would be? I mean, was it something that you thought was missing from the market or you you wanted for yourself or I mean, how did that part come about and how did you know that that was the right thing? You know, I wanted to make something that was sort of, you know, I have kind of a minimalist sensibility when you look at the clothes, but when you really look at them and you really study the way that they're made, and sort of the techniques, they're actually very maximalist in the finishing instructions. If we do any kind of like embellishment or detail. And I have that, you know, we're based in New York. I've been here for 15 years, but I, I carry very much with me. And I, I, this is always a starting point for me, my heritage and my culture as a sensibility. So that kind of European sensibility into things it's not so much that I thought there's a big void for this in the market. It's just, you know, I think there's space and I, I have something to share to me. It was always really important and still is to just convey that sort of element of artful luxury, artful pieces that are, you know, no matter what they are, whether it's like the study of an oversized t-shirt or the construction of a, you know, and a, a blazer or a, a draped twist satin dress that it's always, always, always held to the most highest standard of quality. And that is something as we've grown, you know, and as we've sort of grown into the next like pillar of our businesses, that's one thing a lot of people look at again and look at again. I've never cut quality or compromised there. Wavered. Yeah, I know. I can see that. I also think there's a little bit of Vancouver in it. Like it's, it's a little bit laid back, you know, like it's not hard to wear. It doesn't, it's not uptight at all for being so clean and modern. And I don't know, for me. I'm glad you said that because I always wear my clothes very with a flat, with a slide, you know, it's like I'll wear a big shirt with trousers and a blazer, or I'll wear like a twist dress with a blazer on an airplane to go on a work trip. And then, you know, I'll see people styling it in a very different way with a shoe and a heel and a 
bag and a black, it's a black tie thing for them. So I'm glad you said that because my intention is always to make things very open to interpretation and to fit into the context of kind of every woman's life. And, you know, I hope I can continue to do that. Will you talk to me also about the the design process and um, and how you collaborate on that or if you do? Francesca very much handles the commercial side of things and she works closely on the financials with our sales team, with our marketing and PR and comms and that kind of thing. And she really doesn't, she doesn't step on my toes so much when it comes to sort of my role, which is the more, the more creative sort of realm. Um, For me, it always, the starting point is always with texture, fabric, maybe I see something, you know, an art piece and, you know, it just gets kind of the wheels turning in my mind. And from there, I usually go right into fabric development, which is something that we do. I'll work with my mills in Italy. I'll develop fabrics from scratch. You know, it'll kind of start building the collection in my, my, in my mind. I'm very kind of tactile with the sort of execution of it. And I, if I can feel the fabrics and I, you know, I can feel sort of the roundness or the, the softness or the luminosity of them, then I can kind of start to articulate and develop a collection in my mind. And from there, you know, of course, I'm always like you on the road for, for, <laughs> fittings for, you know, mostly in Italy for, you know, all categories of what we do. So I kind of jump around and I, and I see things that kind of, you know, also help to get the wheels turning. And I work closely. I have a small team where we kind of start looking at beautiful art references. We'll go see maybe an art, a few art shows, or we'll go look at, you know, very, very vintage archives just to look at construction detail. We'll, if we get something, we'll maybe take it apart and look at how it was made, if it was made by hand and that sort of thing. And to, that's always my departure. And it's not always, I don't always get to the finish line the same way, which is the most frustrating thing. Cause every season <laughs> at some point I say, I'm not going to make it. And then Francesca's like, you always make it. You're just, <laughs> you know, and then I get even more frustrated when she says that, <laughs> you know, I kind of start in the fittings. I, I sketch a lot. I would say I do like 12 to 15,000 sketches per season just to end up with like 25 looks but I go dark I take kind of I block out like a week 10 days two weeks in my calendar and I don't check my phone I don't check my email which is frustrating for many people I know (laughs) and I just sketch I sit and I sketch and yeah sometimes I'll do it for 12 hours before going outside or before having a cup of coffee or anything, but that's, that's the way it goes. And that turns into maybe I want to, you know, I can't articulate something in a sketch, then I need to drape it. And then we kind of go from there. I work with my pattern maker. We have an atelier in New York. We're very fortunate. We built that almost from the beginning of our brand. So I can work with my pattern makers, work with my seamstress to kind of help articulate, you know, the message uh, or the techniques. We have an amazing, amazing partners in Italy, um, like really old school kind of master tailors from Naples in Naples, which is really the heart and the home of tailoring, shirting and menswear really. 
So I'm always back and forth with them, kind of articulating techniques, modernizing sort of old school Italian ways and of tailoring and that kind of thing. And, you know, of course, I work closely with Francesca on sort of the feedback from from, you know, previous seasons, you know, she's very gentle in her delivery (laughs) so as not to kill you know, the romance or dream for me, which I, which I always appreciate. And she kind of is also a barrier between the people who she knows are going to do that to me, (laughs) which is really, really great. And Francesca, tell me about your process in that. I mean, do you check in you, I mean, how do you navigate that? (laughs) I I check in uh, or encourage it. What's what stage of the process we're at? No, Um, no, I encourage it. I mean, I, I for sure do not have that creative, um, that skill, that talent to do what she does. Um, you know, we both have our, our own strengths um, and that's why it works. You know, I try not to, like she said, step on her toes. I, I don't, it's, we, we, we put so much out there every season, every year. And I can't, you know, to have to continually come up with newness is just such a, something I very much respect about Marina. Like, I I don't know how she does it. And I, you know, we just need to give her the space and whatever she needs in order to do that. And, and, and for her to feel good about it, because at the end of the day, we want to put out something um, that we feel passionate about and um, that we believe in. So, you know, we obviously, we check in, you know, there are certain things we're at a stage of our business where we're obviously experiencing growth and and we want to see further growth. You know, there's a feedback loop that is very much, there's open communication. I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time with our sales team, our PR team, very a lot of time with also, you know, like your team, Laura, like when mm-hmm. you go into the showroom, the buying, the buying teams, if we, when, whenever we get a chance to get into the stores and talk to the end consumers. So that feedback is so important to what we do and, and to what we do moving forward. So I do my best to communicate that as, <laughs> as I can. And, and there's always, you know, constant communication, whether it's with Marina or people on her team about, you know, what kind of the needs are from the more commercial side of the business. And she's very receptive to that. And, and she also, you know, we're also very much involved in, in, in each other's world too. You know, we, it's our business. We make a lot of, we make all the big decisions together. She's very much involved. She wants to know what's going on on the business side. She's involved in the sales conversations when at the time, when it's right, the, you know, press PR marketing conversations, there's, you know, we very much know what's going on in each other's world and I think that's also why it works well we have a a well-rounded kind of 360 view has your dad ever given you advice yes definitely did you take it (laughs) yes and when we haven't uh no kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, no no, we for sure we really rely on him a lot yeah Marina, I read that you said every time Francesca and I haven't listened to our gut feelings, we've regretted it deeply. Can yeah. you tell me about a time when you didn't and how it went? <laughs> like which <laughs> one? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know. 
And are you two always on the same page about that? I mean, do you, the, the gut feelings, are they almost always the same? I almost. think so. Yeah. I can't really yeah. think of a time where we've really like not been aligned out about, no. you know, yeah, yeah. aligned on something. Yeah. Um, you know, there were just certain things and these are, you know, I don't know if everyone, everyone will understand them because fashion can be so insular and this is very behind the scenes see but you know is for instance in my in my very first collection it was just Francesca and I for the first year at least and you know not only did I design it and you know she do her job but we did everything we did market we traveled with it you know we showed the buyers we were sales we were PR we did everything you know I we had we were fortunate to have some like great people come in and look at our first collection. And um, we had only planned to do two collections a year. We thought that was best for us to focus, you know, also given our bandwidth, given that we're, you know, a sister owned, which is a family owned. And also because there's just so much stuff out there already, you know, and I just wanted to make thoughtful things. And we had a couple of majors come in and say, well, actually, no, we need to see, we will really want to see pre-fall next season, or we really want to see, you know, this other collection. So somehow, somehow like a year later, we had done like four collections. We were not well. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) And, you know, it's things like that where I wish we had just gone with our gut. Sometimes we've listened to outside consultants who who are who we've hired and you know have worked well for us over the years on doing things where you know we I felt we did them too quickly we could have waited uh, yeah. or it wasn't necessary you know and I think it just teaches you to go back to that unwavering vision and just say no to the things that don't move the needle because. And it's, it's not about being, you know, rude or being kind of close-minded, you know, just think outside the box for what you have to do to get to your goal, you know, be progressive, but say no to everything that doesn't move the needle. And, you know, we respect that we have wonderful people around us who give us, you know, professional advice and based on experience and knowledge, you know, in their fields. But at the end of the day, we really have to go back to um, what we feel is best for, for our brand. Tell me about Casa, your home collection. Yeah. Casa stemmed actually from the start of renovating Via Roma. Oh, wow. Yeah. So our house, we call it Via Roma because that's the street name. First of all, I love to be in, I mean, like you, I, I mean, look at your stores, look at your, I've seen photos of your house, you know, I, I love to kind of be in an environment that's been curated and cultivated to make me feel a certain way and to make anyone who comes in to have, you know, the experience that I want them to have. So, you know, Casa, I just thought we have so much, we develop so much of this beautiful tactile sort of artful techniques for the collection. Why can't this go into Casa? And not to mention, you know, some of it is not, it's dead stock. Some of it's mm-hmm. leftover right, right. collection. Yeah. So we started making, you know, we had these beautiful cotton textural field coupes with fringe in gorgeous colors. So we started putting those into throw pillows. You know, we had kind of beautiful hand-woven 
I call it my COVID collection because I bought a loom and I did weave, I weaved every single fabric for that collection because all of our mills were closed. So we had all this like leftover hand weaving. So we put those into throw blank, uh, throw pillows, placemats, all of that kind of thing. And then we said, we have all this amazing, we do all this knitwear. We have all this, you know, quirky colored cashmere yarns. We do all these sort of techniques. Let's make throw blankets with an amazing hand blanket stitch and contrast colors, you know, and cashmere and wool. Let's make sort of valet trays and coasters that are made from raw hides and age really well over time. And again, I try and make everything very open to interpretation and to fit into different contexts. So I think these things fit into you know, so many different types of homes. It fits into our home here in New York, which is very different from our home in Italy, you know? So I, I love doing the Casa stuff because I think it's a piece of Marina Moscone that everybody can have. And is it direct to consumer? Is it all DC? Yeah. And and it's been successful and received well. Yeah. Great. Are there other categories that you want to explore? So we're actually launching handbags properly uh, in February 2023, Feb, March 2023. Um, That's something we've been working on for over a year. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years now. A couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I really wanted to wait until the time was really right because, you know, I built with Francesca, this collection and this brand that had these sort of over time, you know, we're only a six-year-old brand. So it takes time to develop your pillars and our pillars, you know, which people came to understand after a few seasons, obviously, were, you know, twisting and draping, sort of that artful luxury, men's inspired tailoring, you know, that, that sort of thing. The reason we waited, you know, to do sort of handbags was to kind of you know, have those pillars kind of just penetrate into the marketplace, I suppose. And, you know, we saw that people always came back to us for those same things. And we, you know, saw the kind of customer kind of learn um, what she could get from us Mm -hmm. and just always know that she could come back for those things. So the handbags really echo kind of, you know, some of the techniques from the ready to wear which I'm very excited about. It's a whole other game. Yeah, I'm sure. In a different part of your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's so exciting because I love just being able to kind of complete the world of, yeah. and there. I, and I want to do, we want to do other things. I mean, this is just a start. What does success look like for Marina Moscone? We want to continue to grow and we want to continue to, what we've built over the last six years, it's its just the beginning and it's something we're really proud of. And, and we really, you know, are mindful of putting out into the world only things that we really believe in and are really proud of. And um, we use that to kind of build our brand and build a community. And, and I think we just want to continue to do that. And obviously growth is, is going to be a part of that and it will be. And, and so long as we continue to see that, I think, I think we will we'll be happy. We're not doing this to just for fun. We, we, we love what we do. We want to do this for hopefully forever. I don't know if you'll have this. You probably don't have it in Canada. And I don't even know if you have it out of the South or maybe it's a North Carolina thing, but um, we have on the highways during um, construction, they have these signs that say, let them work, let them live. <laughs> and I always, especially during the recession, like in 2008, that was our mantra around the office was let them work, let them live. 
<laughs> and I and I do think that it's like if if, if you, this is a real if this is a passion for you if this is you know this is what you want to do in your life you just want to work like you just want to make things I know my husband is an architect he just wants to make things yeah I mean it's not work and that and that's not easy yeah right <laughs> it's not easy because yeah. you have an emotional connection to it so everything is that much more difficult when there's emotions attached to it. You know, you just can't let things go sometimes or you can't, you you know, it takes longer to kind of arrive at a place where you're really fulfilled and happy with something that you've done, at least for me. But, you know, I'm so, first of all, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest people in the world because I knew what I wanted to do from a very- It's really rare. And I consider myself even luckier that I got to do it. Um, so, you know, if anyone knows what they want to do, do everything you can to do it Mm -hmm. and to make it happen, everything you can choosing happiness kind of leads to the success that you want in the work. And I think success looks different for everyone. It, you know, I, I think of it as it's, it's never going to be balanced ever, ever. I don't, I don't, no, no, I don't believe in that either. (laughs) You know, do I get to do something I love every day? Yes. Do I get to do it with people who are amazing and my family? Absolutely. Uh, Do I get to take a really nice holiday a couple of times a year with people that I love? Yes. You know, do I get to play tennis and cook and, you know, have people over and travel and, you know, spend quality time with people? Yes. I think that is the whole spectrum of success, you know, not just work. What did you wear to the prom? Do you have proms in Canada? I've forgotten if this is a thing. <laughs> I mean, I got I got schooled lot, a couple of weeks ago that there there are prom ish things in England. So I will not. I will always. <laughs> I'll ask that uh, again. But I I don't remember if Canada has prom. We call it a grad. They don't call it a. Prom. They call it yeah. grad. Yeah, right? it's just like grad. <laughs> it's not really called prom, but it's the same. It's the same. Okay. All right. Well, I need to hear what you're. I. About. War. So <laughs> this is so ridiculous. So we we were in Italy. So naturally we shopped for my grad my prom dress in Italy. And it was a Max Mara dress from like a, a runway collection that was very sort of like Grecian and Roman inspired. It had sort of I mean, now I feel like I'm gonna have to like post this on Instagram or something. Oh, we can. <laughs> and, and just knowing the history of Max Mara, it could have been designed by Corrine Rotfeld, correct? I mean, that was around the time maybe that she was working with them. Maybe okay. this. Okay. Maybe or like I don't know if I'm gonna age myself, but <laughs> I'll have to look into that. But um, okay. But what? But what color was it? It was black. I mean, I this okay. is like the most. I I wear black all the time. <laughs> black it was very Grecian it had ties that tied from tied it I mean you know and I wore like layers of pearls with it I wore like a a very simple black heel hair makeup anything yeah oh yeah I got my makeup done it was uh it was a I'm so like I barely wear makeup now it was a green shadow oh my god but it was yeah it was tastefully done it was tasteful green no yeah I had uh, like a a French twist kind of thing with some some, you know loose tendrils yeah some loose kind of hairs in the front yeah my best friend at the time 
who was a year older, he came with me and uh, yeah. That sounds like a good look. I like it. <laughs> it was a good it sound, It sounds on brand. It was, it was a good look. And I actually went to my best friend's prom the year before with him as his date. And I wore uh, Betsy Johnson, <laughs> dark violet velvet Devereux burnout dress, which at the time oh. it was cut on the bias, had a cowl. It was, I still have it. I still have both. That's really cool. All right. We need pictures of it. Thanks. All right. Francesca, you are up. I can't wait. I wore, I remember I came to New York with my, Marina was living here, but we came to visit her, my mom and I, and, and we bought my dress here. It's a bit weird. And I Great. don't let don't <laughs> your imagination run wild, but it was Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> and it, but it was very, it was, it was black. It was, it was very tasteful. Spaghetti like straps it had like ruching on the front it was close you know like hugged my body to the floor had like a little very little train a mini train a mini train it was it was very tasteful tasteful, actually what was the fabric i did on like a few months ago (laughs) (laughs) i like brought it back here and i i don't don't know for what reason it was a it was it was what was the fabric i think it was like a a, a, like a stretch stretch crepe stretch stretch crepe yeah cool all right and hair and makeup any hair makeup was pretty i mean i got my makeup done it was pretty neutral hair was like a like a updo that would never do like again (laughs) like you know volume at the top like no it was bad oh i I wasn't i i wasn't proud of that you know choice listen none of us are proud of it and and really you the fact that you can talk about it is the best part yeah (laughs) well y'all I thank you so much for spending time with me and spending an hour with me and I I appreciate it so much and can't wait to see y'all it was a pleasure it was such a pleasure thank you for having us thank you what we wore is produced by capital and balto creative media the original song someone so enchanting was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. Queen City Podcast Network.com.